0: Welcome to Knit British, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British and love local wool. Hello and welcome to episode 107 of the Knit British Podcast. It's lovely to have you around here and uh, if this is your first time checking in with the podcast, a special hello to you and a big hello and welcome back to returning listeners. Uh, I hope you have been very well and cheery. I cannot believe... That we're through July and August is almost here. It might, may, may even be here by the time this podcast goes out. That's just ridiculous. And I always find that once Midsummer hits, we're... few. It goes fast, doesn't it? Time goes fast. It has mostly been beautiful weather too, hasn't it? I mean, oh, it's been pretty hot. For those who like that sort of thing, uh, we've been sort of spoiled. I do not do so well in the heat. I saw Martina Bim tweet the other day that her IQ goes down uh, in hot weather and I feel exactly the same. My productivity levels go down. I just can't think when it's too hot. And it's, it's not just the nice shiny sun that's beautiful. I love to see that. But the oppressiveness in the air, I think if you're a migraine sufferer like me, You will dread weather like that because it's just, you just feel like the press on the precipice of a migraine every single day. But it's been lovely, and yesterday it rained, and that was freaking glorious. As soon as it rained, you could just feel this wonderful coolness. Everyone in this house was happy when that happened, even the cat. It has been a really busy month. I don't know about you, but uh, over this way, with work, uh, home and life stuff, all good. But it's been keeping me busy, and some of it rather unexpectedly, like life is often uh, known to do. We are going to have to move house. Thanks to our sucky landlord who is selling the flat uh, rather than fixing all the shit that needs to be fixed. Pardon my French. And uh, yeah, so that's been stressful. And if you follow me on social media, you've probably seen me be a bit stressed out about that. But also, it's all good. Change is good. Um, And as I say, shitty, shitty landlord. So. Um, we'll be very glad to eventually move, but it does mean that scheduling might change, and I absolutely make no apologies for that. Because again, when life throws things in your way, you do what you can to cope with it and manage manage it. And if it means that the next episode is later, if it means that you know the next episode might be uh, postponed indefinitely or whatever, that's just what's going to happen. What's not going to happen is the end of The nature Shades Long that will still be the 31st of August uh, the cast off date for that, that's a fixed point in time nothing is going to change there but if if you find yourself at the end of next month thinking shouldn't there be an It British podcast about now then that's why, don't come asking me (laughs) I might be even more stressed by then and I might not have a very nice answer for you one of the things that I uh, did this month in July was finish my Lush Cardigan, uh, which is a pattern by Tin Can Knits. And it was made in a delightful yarn from Whistlebear Cheviot Blue in a colour called All's Ship Shape, which is an incredible blue. Uh, I also, of course, cast on for the na- uh, Nature Shades Long. Uh, I cast on a Greer shawl by Isabel Kramer in Ram Jam, Bam Lam, by uh, Daughter of a Shepherd. And that's, I love, I'm loving that. I also uh, cast on Hansel Hap in Jimson Smith Heritage Worsted. And I cast that on to take on the Scotland Against Trump protest in Edinburgh. Because, you see, I am allowed to talk about craft and sometimes show other things that are important to me too. If you follow me or any of the other knitters who chose to stand up for what they believe in, uh, the other week on social media, you will have seen that there was a bit of a backlash. And in fact, for some knitters, designers people in the knitting industry who chose to nail their colours to the mast, Uh, there was a lot of trolling, and I believe there still is, and I kept seeing um, comments like, stick to the knitting, that people who disagreed with us standing up for what we believed in didn't want to see us... Talking about politics, they wanted they, they came to our social media because they were interested in craft. Firstly, I would recommend for anyone under any misunderstandings um, who might be new to this podcast or who needs a reminder, uh, go back and listen to episode 76, which is entitled All Views Expressed Are My Own. Uh, for anyone who needs that information uh, emboldened, Uh, And underlined Pick up your ears Because this really pisses me off uh, And so I am going to make a point About talking about it right now If I choose To talk about wool I will If I choose to talk about what I'm knitting I will If I choose to tell you things that are going on in my life Like moving house and home, Home life stuff and work stuff I will If I choose to share anything else I find interesting, I will. If I choose to stand up for what I believe in, what I believe, to the soles of my feet, with every fibre in my being, what I feel is right or unjust, then I will. If you disagree with me, that's fine. That is fine. If you would like to have a reasoned conversation about it, that is also fine. And if you want to go, cheerio, bye bye, unfollow, tune out. My social media profiles uh, uh, and this podcast, these are my spaces. And you don't have to pay to follow me, and you don't have to pay to download episodes. It's 100% free and 100% me, like it or lump it. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. And again, we can have discussions and we can be on different sides. But leave any incessant echo chamber confirmation bias at the door. And if you're bringing that noise, expect to get told to follow someone else. Who cares? If we don't speak out against the negative things that are happening in this world, nothing will change. If we want to use our voices, lift them up. Stand up for what we believe in. Like I said back in episode 76, this podcast is mostly about knitting and about wool and about supporting local. You can choose to see that as not being political but it absolutely is the political is in the wool the political is in the personal the political is in the podcast if you don't like it, once again please, please do do unfollow um, and tune out, I won't be sad to see you go, as my very good friend the Lacey to my Cagney, Louise says it's not me it's you Uh, We'll we'll just now have a little break while we wait for anybody who wants to leave uh, to pick up their things and go now. Um, Take good care. Don't let the podcast door hit you. On the ass, on the way out. Excuse us, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) 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 One, two... i e I attended the In the Loop conference at Winchester School of Art down in England and I attended it as a speaker and not on a topic of British wool or connected to knit British. Uh, The call for papers was in reference to textiles in uh, collections uh, uh, and the overarching theme was sort of libraries, museums... Um, and to celebrate ten years of the in the loop conference uh, and I spoke on something that I will probably go into uh, in more detail in another episode it's even if I just i can't I can't even talk about it you know, broadly, um, I really do would like to just bring it as an episode um, at some point in the future um, there's there's there are other th- other items that I'd like to sort of add to that paper and make it longer than 20 minutes, so look out for that happening sometime in the future I have to say, I was hugely blown away by the In The Loop conference I always am um, I don't know if you know about this, it's a knitting it's an academic uh, conference about Uh, textiles and knitting Um, I will put links to it in the show notes I've talked about this before and I think I've also blogged in the past about the other in the loop conferences that I've been at as well as listening to some amazing papers on challenging uh challenging knitting uh challenging language about knitting materials and innovation history narratives of wool um narratives of wool and women, activism, of traditional crafts. I got to hang out with some wonderful people. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I just, I can't unpack them. It's been a week since I was there. And, you know, I just haven't been able to line them all up yet. Um, But you should um, get the chance to hear the presentations for yourself because Winchester School of Art... Are hopefully going to make them available they did a bit of a capture thing um, so the presentations and the audio um, should be available but it won't be a quick process and um, hopefully it won't be too long and I will share a link when I get it um, but it's not going to be something that's just going to be there overnight the biggest highlight for me was getting to visit the knitting reference library Oh, my word. I loved it. I loved it. It was beautiful. And special libraries, you know, often do make me feel I just felt right at home there. Um, The library building is beautiful. and The books and the collections, um, they require far more than a 25-minute visit. But basically, I just sat down in the stacks and just soaked it all up. It was wonderful. Um, I've got a little video of me. Walking around it <laughs> in Instagram, and the caption I put was "pig in shit" because it was I was just like that. It was just the most glorious place for me to be, and I really need to make an excuse to go there and do more, spend more time there. Uh, if you're ever in Winchester, ever, 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 and you love libraries and you you know you love knitting, then go and visit the Winchester School of Art Library. Um, but again as I say I will try and unpack my thoughts on this at some point you can um, check out the hashtag particularly on Twitter uh, hashtag in the loop 10 where there were quite a few of us who were um, tweeting about the speakers and about the main points and things so uh, it would be really worth your while um, to to um, have a look at that Uh also this month, the Nature Shades Long is going full tilt. At the time of recording this, it looks like we have around 16 Nature Shades cast-ons. I think that's right. Um, we've got designs by Melanie Berg, Gudrun Johnson, Isolde, Kate Davies, Donna Smith, Anna Malz, Hoki Locatelli and so much more. I mentioned last time that there will be prizes. And as you know, I only really tend to go into the prize detail In the last week or so. Because it's kind of like a carrot on a stick isn't it? If you think you might not get finished. And then you hear about which prizes might be up for grabs. It's, It's a nice little incentive. But the cast off will probably. Not coincide with the next episode. So I will do a blog post on the prizes. But I feel like I need to give you. A little bit of a heads up. On what's on offer. So the very, very, very wonderful Jen and Jim of Arnold Culliford Knitwear sent me uh, their two books, Something to Learn About Cables and Something to Learn About Lace. And um, these just appeared in the post one day, like a little, you know, pennies from heaven. Uh, And Jen had said, um, if I wanted to give them away um, as a prize then that's what they're for. And so these are wonderful. And you might remember that I reviewed the Year of Techniques uh, was their first book. And um, that, again, an awesome book. And that was several designers, all uh, with a design which gave instructions of a particular technique and every it was like a it was like a monthly knit along every month another uh, there was another technique to learn and so these are their follow-up um, books and they are really handy a5 or slightly bigger than a5 size and in the cable book, Uh, The techniques covered are uh, cabling without a cable needle, two-stitch cable shortcuts, keeping track of your rows when cabling, that's my issue, correcting mistakes in your uh, cable, tricks to tidy your cables, and opening and closing knot cables. And the designers are Lucy Haig. There's a fantastic cowl and blanket pattern from her. There's beautiful uh, Otrera mitts By Jen herself. I also love Rachel Coopy's Artio hat. I'm really rubbish at pronouncing these names. Beautiful hat, which looks um like a fantastic snug um winter, autumn winter hat. Um and and there's something to learn about lace. Again, a fantastic handy knitting bag size um, and the techniques include working yarn overs uh, in different ways, reading lace charts, fixing mistakes in your lace knitting, blocking um, your finished lace product, uh, projects and garter tab cast-ons. And again, fantastic patterns by Jen and Donna Smith. There's also a pattern by Martina Bem. So those will be a prize and we might look at those a little bit closely um, in... Uh, on that blog post that I promise there's also going to be a prize from South Down Yarns there is also going to be a prize from Youist Wool there is also going to be a prize from Daughter of a Shepherd there are also going to be some knit British merch prizes and uh, one or two of our fantastic listeners have also offered prizes so there are gonna be some great nature shades along prizes as always it will be random drawn from the finished object thread which is now open and we've got some finished objects already I should say once somebody asked me why wasn't I choosing winners based on the talent or expertise displayed in the finished object <sighs> I tell you, that is, that, that's hard, you know, and it's not my place to judge. My, you, you know, the the rules are clear. If your finished object is eligible for all those rules and you finish by the cast off date, you're eligible for a prize. <laughs> and it takes long enough to random draw these things. Um I can't even imagine what kind of car I would have where I would say but is better than all of them, you're gonna get a prize. All of the effort that goes into this is valuable. Whether you're making a garter stitch scarf or you're making the finest lace shawl, you are all incredible makers in my book. Uh, thank you so much for your enthusiasm for the Nature Shades Long. Use hashtag Nature Shades Long on social media so we can follow your progress and see what you're doing. And to everyone who is listening, who's taking part at home, who doesn't do social media, who doesn't do Ravelry, go you. You are doing awesomely. Loving your work. I really do think it's important to remember that we're not all connected. Um, on the internet Um, you know some some people are just knitting away at home and enjoying being part and feeling part of the Cal um, through listening to the podcast Um, so go you guys too and like I say the cast off date is August the 31st to be eligible with a prize you have to have a picture of your cast off um, finished object does not have to be blocked uh, but cast off Uh, and in the finished object thread by 11.59 on the 31st and I will draw the winners but I will not be drawing them until after I've moved house and after all the other things I need to do get done so if you don't mind terribly I won't be drawing the prizes till at least the end of September um, because of that I want to give a wee yell and unzipping my project bag here. Um to tell you that Beardy Cheel, who's John Glenn, you might watch the Beardy Cheel podcast, he has recently launched a yarn. Uh it's his own yarn. It's called Caithness Croft. Croft now, Caithness Croft. Don't get it mixed up with a very good audio podcast by my Lacey to Um It's a double-knit yarn. It's Suffolk and Beltex. And it's from Kogi Farm in Caithness. And it's 100% grown and spun in Scotland. John sent me a skein of this before I went on holiday last month. And I was really struck by the reflective quality there's a really light lustrous shine on this yarn that I didn't expect um, and it's evident in the skein and it's evident in um, what I'm knitting with it it's dense it's got a little bit of a tooth but it becomes creamy when you rub that on your forearm I'm, I'll tell you a little bit more about my swatch in a minute but um, uh, the little bit of tooth that's in that you feel it in the skein knits up quite creamily Uh, the yarn comes in 50 gram skeins and um, I can't remember if I said it was double knit and I was excited to try this wool because of the breeds that are in it and because it's local to John uh, that's really special and because it's Scottish and that's really special but the breeds in this wool are quite exciting Um, I've knit with Suffolk before and I'm very partial to it you don't see it Uh, I'll in named yarn a lot uh, it is it's is, it's springy and it's crisp um, and it's really reliable um, for for uh, long wearing items and beltex well beltex, I've, I have said before that beltex have a face that only a mammy beltex would love, they are a bit of a bruiser um, they're not your picturesque Children's picture book um, sheep. They are predominantly a meat sheep. They've got a big, muscly, rambo type head, um, but and primarily they're both meat sheep actually. But what they do have is a great medium length, dense fleece. Together in this blend, they are just a, a bit of a match made in heaven, to be honest. As soon as I sort of wound this ball, I thought this needs to be, this is going to make a really great sturdy pair of sock, boot socks, welly boot socks or walking boot socks. Um, so I cast on my sock, which is, you know, a bit of my go to pattern, which is a uh, Winnick Mum's eight ply uh, sock. Ah, knitting with this. It's so nostalgic. It really, really, really made me think of an Aran jumper that my dad had. Um, just in terms of the feel of it and the sturdiness of it and the softness of it, because it's it's it is soft. As you know, again, it's got that it's got that crispness, but it's it's a creamy crispness. So I'm making such a noise with my needles on the computer. It's um, golden creamy in in color, natural and. It's quite tightly spun yarn and that lovely ply makes, which is three-plied, makes a really lovely defined stitches. And I've not finished my sock. I'm sort of halfway along the, the foot. Um, but I believe uh, that this uh, um, sock and this yarn is going to stand up to a lot of wear. Again, that lovely light luster is charming. Again, I hope you sort of know what I, what I mean when I say a nostalgic. It's a nostalgic wool. It is the kind of wool that um, you would recognise um, from from lovely jumpers of your childhood or youth. Um, but again, it's it's charming. It's got um, a light halo um softness which is, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have expected from um, shorter stapled police um, but again it does it has a very, very, very light short halo um, which is just beautiful uh, so I'm going to have to report back on how the sock wears, aren't I? Um, so I think I've got enough out of this 50 gram ball to do one sock, I have made it an ankle sock because I wasn't quite sure if I was going to get Um, a full length sock out of uh, the 50 gram skein but I will be getting more because this is just wonderful and um, really really would like another (laughs) sock to go with this one and um, my hat's off to John I know this has been uh, something that he's been you know he's been really keen to do he's he's seen these sheep in his uh, locality and you know has wanted to do something with local wool for a while and you know that's Wonderful that that really is wonderful, you know using what's local to you and um finding a way uh, to make with it and create with it and let other people create with it the Caithness croft yarn costs twelve pounds fifty for a, a fifty gram eighty eight meter double knit skein now uh the price tag would make Larger projects, for me, a considered purchase. I'd have to really think about that. But I also think that it would make cracking garments. It's just that it would be a considered purchase. But having said that, a couple of skeins are going to make you socks that will last a lifetime, I I reckon. Hats, gloves, mitts. I don't think you'll be disappointed with what this, this yarn can do. So again, it's all just about... About um, where your budget can take you, and you know what you want from the wool for your garments that you make and items that you make. It's bizarre because I obviously haven't knit with this wool before, but it definitely has an attachment to days gone by for me, and I I look forward to trying out my sock, and I. And finishing finishing it first. Um, thank you so much, John. And um, if you want it, it is exclusively from the Beardy Beardycheel website, which is beardycheel.uk, B-E-A-R-D-Y-C-H-I-E-L dot UK, and you can find the links in the show notes as well. Let's talk about the Dorset breeds in our wool exploration. And, hmm, not one, but four breeds this month. What on earth was I thinking? Um, We've got Dorset Horn, Pole Dorset, Dorset Down and Portland. And all of these breeds have their origins in Dorset in the south of England. Before we learn a little bit more about the Dorset breeds... Um, some wool exploration housekeeping I'm going to start adding my own review into the collective reviews because that just makes sense Um, next month Louise Spong of Southdown Yarns and I will be chatting about Southdown and you will get to meet her which I'm really happy about I met her at In The Loop um, so that was was, um, really good fun, I'm really glad that she got to sit down with me um, and could uh, chat a bit about the South Down breed and South Down's yarn and about um, her business. As I mentioned last month, the next two breeds for 2018 will be Manx and Shetland, and Wool Exploration will be back in 2019 too. More details on that nearer the time, but there will be a bit more time between breeds. Genuinely, it is wonderful. I'm loving it and loving learning together, but I'm struggling a bit um, to create and collate the reviews every month. And it's not helpful when sometimes explorers are missing out parts of the review notes, like the second wash, block and wear. I've written about this in the um, general wool exploration thread, over in the rivalry group, I do understand that there may not be enough time for some of us to do two wash blocks and wear. Um, I'll, and again, I, I'm going to remedy that for next year and give us more time between each uh, wool exploration. But the idea here is to go beyond a simple review. We're aiming, and always have been aiming, to explore what the process of washing ...blocking and wearing can do and how that can contribute to how, you know, yarn changes over time. And through washing and wearing, that's one of the ways that it will change. There is a a real opportunity here to, you know, not just for us, but to contribute to others' understanding of wool through these tests. So, unfortunately, I'm going to start omitting reviews that don't do the second wash, block and wear test... Because it, it is part of the rules to do two. Third time is optional. And I'm always happy when people uh, do a third one too. But, uh, it, you know, it is a requirement to do two wash, block and wears. Again, I know that time might be an issue. Um, but, but while there's no official cast off date. Although we do have official deadlines for, you know, get filling in the the, the Google form. There's no official time to cast on so you could be casting on and swatching anytime you fancy and as i said the next two are are um, manx and shetland and the deadlines for those are going to be in october and november so you could get cracking and you could get your two uh wash block and wear tests in well before uh, the deadline of getting your reviews up so i hope you understand um but As my grandfather would say, who is a very wise man, um, if a job's worth doing, it's not worth doing (laughs) at (laughs) half-assed. Like I say, uh, there will be more wool exploration in 2019, and I'm not revealing the, the breeds yet, but expect to be intrepid at some points too, like next month. I know some of you have struggled getting your hands on South Down yarn, and you'll hear more about that in my chat with Louise. But I never said rule exploration would be easy. Sometimes we need to look hard and there's good discussions to be had there uh, and work that can be done on the back of that. So so don't be too discouraged if you um, don't find South Down. But do try and think about what that means and why that is. Um, one person can't always affect change but lots of inquiring minds and voices might. So it's about how we find out more and what what more we can do. Right. Uh I'm not sure how best to arrange this wool exploration actually. I think I think we'll sort of summarise uh, each breed and then and then we'll go into the wool exploration. I might just change my mind as we go along but we'll see how this goes. So let's start with Portland. Um I should say my reading this month, as always, is Counting Sheep by Philip Walling, also the Fleece and Fibre Sourcebook um, by Deb Robson and Carol Lacharis, and also British Sheep and Their Wool by uh, British Wool. The Portland's lineage possibly goes back to the Iron Age. Uh, they're named after the Isle of Portland, which isn't actually an island. It's a tide island uh, attached to Dorset, Uh, by Chesil Beach. And when I think about Portland, I think of, oh, come with me to the rolling sea while the weather's calm and still. Do you remember Portland Bill? That was a a kid's TV programme in the 80s and it was a wonderful thing. Every time I think of Portland, I think of Portland Bill. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's a rare breed. Uh, It's at risk. So there are 900 to 1,500 um, breeding yows. In the 1970s, there were less than a hundred breeding sheep. They're fairly small chaps. Uh, they have tan faces. Um, are uh, often uh, are horned. Some some I think can be polled, uh, and their fleece can have red hues. Philip Walling says the Isle of Portland has been enough of an island to keep the Portland breed pure for many many centuries Um, it was very favoured as a meat sheep um, and it was said to be almost a luxury meat he likens the Portland to the North European short-tailed group of of sheep Uh, he notes that unlike those these sheep can lamb out of season like Dorset sheep can Um, I wanted to read you this a little bit from Counting Sheep uh, where where Walling talks a little bit about um, why why the Portlands have survived and sort of likens them to other rare breeds. Uh, There is something wistful about the modern interest in rare breeds of livestock. None of the commercial Breeders in the past cared a jot for retaining breeds that had outlived their usefulness. Nor do they care much now. That's largely why there are hardly any accurate records of what early types looked like or how they were transformed into modern breeds. Sheep breeders produce what would satisfy demand and were not concerned to keep types that outlived their usefulness unless nothing else could survive on the land, and that is the reason why the Portlands held out on the rock where few other breeds could have lived. The thin soils, the salty influence of the sea on their sparse pastures, and a system of common grazing that died out much earlier on the mainland would have done for most of the modern breeds. Uh, He goes on to say, the point here is that these older breeds, better adapted through long survival to live on poor vegetation, have often are often the only way mankind can obtain anything of value from otherwise unproductive land. They are great survivors in places where other grazing animals would not last a week. If it is possible in the pastoral world to get something out of nothing, breeds like the Portland can offer the best chance of doing so. They can live all year round on what vegetation they can pull, even scratch through a foot of snow to get it. They are long-lived, often producing 10 or more crops of lambs compared to half that other number in improved breeds. And their flesh tastes rather like game, well-flavoured, low in saturated fat than the modern meat breeds. And although the carcass is small compared with modern sheep, small proportions satisfy the appetite. Walling talking about other primitive north uh, uh, european breeds there also and um whilst talking about the portland but i think it's i think it's important to to look at the you know to be able to understand a little bit about the difference between primitive uh, and those sort of modern improved flocks Again, the fleece is is reddish when the Portlands are lambs, but it can become creamier. But there can still be red um, guard hairs in amongst the fleece. The staple length is two to four inches. And... Generally fiber is in the twenty six to thirty one micron range uh, the fleece and fiber source book liken Portland to Tunis breed and the Californian red and we had two people in wool exploration uh, who looked at Portland so we'll look at their uh, results in a moment Uh The Dorset Downs lineage comes from breeding South Down rams with Hampshire, Berkshire, and Wiltshire yows, and the sheep was established in the mid 1800s. To me, these are almost the quintessential sheep that are shown in sort of cartoons and things. Really close, dense fleece with a lovely top knot of fleece on the head and coloured faces, um, which is indicative of many breeds in the Down group of sheep. Um, I'm going to try and not get my Down groups and my Dorset groups mixed up here because this is a good time to talk about shared characteristics. The Down group includes uh, Dorset Down, Hampshire Down, Oxford Down, Shropshire Down, Seth Down and Suffolk. Again, soft spot for the suffolk over here. So they are a distinct group to themselves Uh, The Down breeds Uh, The Dorset Down uh, Is sort of straddling between The Down family and the Dorset group Dorset Down uh, Staple length is Similar to Portland 2 to 4 inches Around 30 microns But with a dense But creamy and soft Versatile fleece Um, In the Dorset group That includes Pole Dorset dorset horn i just said that downs have colored the down group have colored faces um the dorset group uh, the dorset horn and the pole dorset they have white faces there's also another in the dorset group which is the dorper uh, and that was developed in south africa in the 1930s but that's just for your information i'm not gonna I'm not going to go into that. Of the Dorset group, the Dorset Horn is one of Britain's oldest breeds, and it's another breed that some believe was developed through uh, Spanish Merino. We've heard that a couple of times through our wool exploration, haven't we? But Walling comments that um, the breed has been improved and selected sort of within the Dorset breed and not from outcrossing. Uh, They are popular as, again, they are great meat sheep and great breeders. They uh, can, I've already mentioned, um, of the Portland, breed all year round. So lamb at Christmas and Easter. Mmm, yummy. (laughs) The fleece is white, although sometimes there is uh, the very odd coloured uh, variety, which I'd love to see. And um, it has a very fine and regular crimp with a crisp handle micron count for the dorset horn is mid 20s to mid 30s so from soft next to the skin to the other end of the spectrum being slightly more crisp uh, and those fibres having a bigger diameter so perhaps not bending against the skin Uh, the fibre between the dorset horn and the pole dorset uh, is very similar pole dorset's i.e., polled, uh, not horned. They were developed in two places in Australia in the 1940s, uh, developed with the Dorset Horn and Ryland and Corridale yows, and polled Dorsets were also developed in North America in the 1950s. Um, the Fleece and Fibre uh, source books say that polled Dorsets are more common now than Dorset Horn. I think we've had one spinner this month, um, so I'll need to check how Sin Spins uh, spun her pole Dorset. But both Dorset Horn and pole Dorset can be spun well woolen or worsted. I think that, not having spun it yet myself, but I think um, for spinners, Horn and pole Dorset is going to be quite a good um, choice for spinning. Again, the versatility that you can um, spin it both ways and get great properties out of a yarn that's both woolen and or worsted spun, but also it's a great there's a great staple length quality uh, of the fleece. Again, it's around that you know late twenties to thirty microns, um, so quite a versatile wool and very well suited to many things as we are going to find out a little bit later in our reviews uh this is a bit of a stop press moment uh <laughs> it's just been announced that uist rule are hosting the 8th North Atlantic Native Sheep and Wool Conference. It's the 13th to the 15th of September in Uist and um, full conference will feature talks visits all based around the theme of the North Atlantic Short-Tailed Breed Group Um, associated breeds I'm sure you know include Gotland, Shetland North Royalty, Hebridean Soe, Borrere and so many more uh, all the info is at usedwool.com Hello Jeremy Jean Hi See if I can hold a cat and my notes All the information is at Uh You need to register via their Eventbrite page uh, All the links are on their website I am definitely going to this Podcast is not sadly. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it's definitely more than simply a wool festival. Uh, it's it's definitely more than that. Uh, the focus is on shepherding. It's on meat and food, the future of the North Atlantic native sheep, and then there is also woolcraft and uh, as well. You know, every year the conference is in a different area from the northern island region and, and it's exciting that it's coming to uist wool and i am very excited to be going back there so again all the information you need is at uistwool.com isn't that right mm-hmm. on that note jeremy has jumped down from my uh lap leaving half of her hair god it's gonna be winter soon she's gonna need that so, let's go and do our, our reviews. Um, so, again, this month we had the Dorset groups. Uh, and we've had Portland, Dorset Down, Dorset Horn and Pole Dorset. Um, let's start with Portland. We had two rule explorers for Portland. Uh, we had Tigger B and we had Emily AO. And they were both crocheting uh, with double knit uh, portland wool tigger b is using arms Manor worsted spun emily is using farnell Farm double knit worsted spun and both are using four millimeter hooks as well i should say so hand squish grab and initial thoughts tigger b said the ball has lots of squashiness bouncing back into shape with a small amount of elasticity in the single thread it's a looser spun DK but with a reasonably tight ply, so there's a noticeable halo of loose uh, fibers. This is the whitest yarn I've explored so far with an odd darker hair. Now that's really interesting. I wonder um, if that was a mixture of fleeces. Uh, hopefully, I have a picture of that to show in the show notes. Emily A.O. of her hand-squish grab, she said, It felt a little lacklustre uh, initially, loose and flat in the skein. Though I warmed to it as I was hand-winding it into a ball, it felt a little plumper through winding, though the twist remained loose. Lovely, gentle, sheepy smell... Pale white cream wool felt sturdy and robust despite being quite fine for a DK. The ball of wool felt soft and squishy once wound while the actual strands of yarn felt rougher, especially on the face. Um, initial thoughts uh, whilst swatching. Uh, Tigger B said the hook meets with little resistance as each stitch is pulled through. So despite the halo... Um, it isn't a sticky yarn the texture reminds me of 1980s acrylic yarn in that that it is an unrefined, slightly coarse feeling on the fingers and as such my initial response is that I wouldn't want it next to my skin my square measured up to 7 inches, my average for these in breed exploration Uh, it's got a good stitch definition uh, in my textured crochet pattern uh, Emily said the loose twist uh, inclined to split, though as usual I managed to get better as I got into the swing of it. The yarn feels thinner than the standard DK, though it responded well to a 4mm hook and produced a nice thick substantial and textured swatch with soft stitch definition. That's really interesting that it's gone from uh you know being quite loose in the in the strand to being a nice defined fabric. For the wash, block and wear, Tigger B soaked her swatch in soak for 20 minutes with very little change to the look or the feel of the swatch. Possibly a marginal softening, she says. The size remained constant and easily blocked uh, into a square. She wore it under her bra strap for a few hours, the most she could bear in the hot weather. Yes, I have to apologise making you do two wash, block and wear tests in this heat. My hat is off to you. Uh, It was noticeable noticeable in terms of the additional warmth and tingling on the skin, although the prickling was not enough to leave the skin red and it reinforced my opinion that I wouldn't want to wear this next to my skin. Emily soaked hers for a few hours in Yuslan and blocked firmly with pins to square it out. She said the wool feels softer, bouncier and has a little bit more give. The stitches are a little less defined but not significantly and still look nice, just softer, she says. Um, She's aware of wearing the swatch um, with an occasional prickle, especially around her shoulders and neck. Well, with the second wash, Tigger B put her swatch in a 30 degree, 800 RPM wash in the laundry, in with the laundry, and as expected, the level of agitation caused a loosening of the fibres from the ply and a slight felting, and she said the yarn softened slightly. Emily followed the same process as before, soaked overnight this time in Yucelan and blocked firmly with pins. Again, she said, the, the Portland wool feels softer, cozier and the stitches have lost some of the definition uh, and gained a little more halo. Whilst the sample felt soft in my hands and more del- delicate areas, um, neck, waist, brass strap, I did get the occasional prickle and remained conscious that it was there, though less than initially, so perhaps... Uh, repeated washing would continue to improve it. Their overall thoughts then on Portland. B said this is a substantial yarn that would stand up to blankets um, or outer layers uh, garments and Emily said I would definitely warm to the Portland although I prefer the dorset horn which um, she also did, and we'll hear about that in a moment. I think this wool would be hard-wearing, warm, a good choice for outer garments. I have sensitive skin, so would not not personally choose it for garments that I would wear directly in delicate areas, but it would be great for a cardigan with a top underneath. That sounds incredible, and this is interesting. So we've heard from Philip Walling that the Portland wool is fine. We've seen from uh, the Fleece and Fibre source book that the wool can be... You know, quite fine and quite soft, uh, but both Tiggerby and Emily finding that their different Portland yarns, which were both DK, were a bit prickly. I would like to personally know what a four ply would be like or a single ply Portland would be like. I wonder if there would be more softness uh, or if there would be more. It, if it would be less noticeable against the skin that's maybe one to, to try and seek out but there isn't a lot of Portland out there um, in yarn form uh, there are links in the Dorset Wool Exploration blog post that I did if you're interested in trying that out for yourself those of you with eagle ears will have noticed that uh, this bit of the audio sounds a little bit different because I'm in a different room and I'm using a different recorder uh, because I'm having to do a quick and dirty stealthy re-record of The Dorset Down because uh, in editing I've noticed a glaring mistake which I'm not going to tell you about. So for The Dorset Down we had three reviewers. uh, JC G. S. Haston who uh, I'm just going to refer to as Jane <laughs> uh, for the rest of this review, Rebecca 72 Jones and Sin Spins. Jane and uh, Rebecca were using both using Aran weight Dorset Down, Jane was using TJ Frog's uh, Shorelines and Strata. Dorset Down, uh, Rebecca 72 Jones is using Tamarisk Farm Aran and Sin Spins has hand spun uh, an Aran so they're all using Aran weight um, of different different kinds. In the hand squish grab, uh, Jane found uh, the TJ frog to be soft and bouncy in the skein, pleasant to handle with a very, very faint sheepy smell. Uh, Becky found the tamarisk farm, Aaron, uh, to be a lovely buttercream-coloured yarn with a slight halo, slightly rough against my skin on rubbing, but not unpleasant. Not much give when twanged between the two fingers and the ball itself was dense and didn't have much squash or give when um, when squished. It seems quite robust, so it would be good for something hard-wearing, she thinks. Uh, since spins she says this hand spun yarn has a lot of body weight and density lots of fun to spin long draw it's a very round two ply with lots of stretch In observances whilst swatching, Jane found the TJ Frog to be well-tempered when knitting and not at all splitty. A pleasure to work with and good stitch definition. Warm to the handle, Uh, an elastic fabric due to the large needle size. Um, She says that her regular 5mm needles had gone missing, so she'd gone up to 55 Rebecca, 72 Jones, she said, I'm annoyed with myself. I took it on the train to London to knit, all prepped with 4.5mm needles, knit all the way home, didn't like the fabric too stiff thought it felt too thick for a the DK um, there wasn't anything on the ball band um, so she checked her email order and as she suspected it was Aaron so she frogged it back uh, and tried again with 5.5mm needles she said this time it was smooth over the needles felt dry on my fingers seems to be producing a firm fabric but better knitted on the larger needles no shedding solid fabric hold shape well stiff drape no, uh, not lustrous. Stitch definition. Very good. We're straying into the territory of the sheeping forecast again, aren't we? Uh, sin Spins, uh, she said to me, uh, all the stretch that um, is evident in the yarn means great cables and without the need for a third ply. She says, it doesn't show too much halo and the stitches are distinct. The stockinette stitches are better looking than the reverse, but the double moss stitch looks nice. And she said there was no splitting. Um, so that, I think all three said there was no splitting in their various um, different Dorset uh, down yarns. Um, the first wash block and wear then. Uh, Jane said she put hers in soak for an hour, pressed it into the towel. She said there was a slight itch in the bra once dry. It was a rather large swatch, so she swapped it to the waistband um, and didn't notice it even though it was a very hot day, just warm and comfortable. Becky said she left her soaking for three days in cold water and soak. She squeezed it and rolled it in a towel, pulled it flat and into shape. She says I left it drying on a towel. The drape improved and, so- and it softened but it was still stiff and it kept its size. She wore it on her hip whilst watching TV and was aware of it causing abrasion to the skin. She wore it again again while... Um, doing some chores and forgot it was there after a while that prickle stopped and um, she says but it was very warm she says then I wore it under my bra strap and there was a distinct prickle but it settled it stood up to some general ha- handling as I carried it around with me for a few days no pilling and stitch definition still good since spins, she washed her Dorset Down handspun aran in hot water, dishwashing liquid soap and a cool rinse. She said the um, item was heavy when wet, but after rolling in a towel to remove as much water, it just fell open into a lovely rectangle and it didn't need any pinning out. I could definitely wear a sweater of this yarn next to my skin but my skin is not terribly sensitive if I were making a scarf or a cowl as a gift I might choose another fibre but for myself I would have no trouble wearing this In the second wash, block and wear, Becky um, stuck her swatch in the machine at 30 degrees with a little soak, she said, uh, on the wool cycle, and she said it retained its shape and the machine and it didn't shrink. It is much softer and the drape is much less stiff. It's improved in the washing machine. She wore it under her brass strap and on her bare leg. She said it was lovely and warm and much less prickle and much softer with a slight halo of shorter hairs. On Sin Spin's second wash of our hand spun iron, she said the swatch shows no sign of change after the second wash. It blocked to the same size, no shrinkage, no pilling, still no increase in halo, but it feels a bit softer and I could have blocked it larger if I needed to do so. When I asked uh, the question, thoughts for use and how, how they found the Dorset Down Jane said she enjoyed the breed immensely she said it endeared itself to me while I was working with it it would make a cosy wrap or shawl as well as garments and she'd love to try some four ply or a, or a DK um, as she's not a fan of thicker yarns in general Becky said I think this yarn would do well for insulating car- uh, an insulating cabled cardigan I wouldn't want this as a hat or a scarf though as it's still too stiff Although I didn't notice it next to my skin, I think I would only wear it as an over-garment that I could take off easily because it was so insulating. Um, It would do well for household items too. (coughs) Since Ben says this yarn seems ideal for textured, rugged, outdoor wear, but she says that you could probably spin a finer gauge for something more delicate, it doesn't have much drape, but it has so much stretch that a sweater or jacket... Would not impede movement in this Dorset uh, down yarn. Uh, The stretch made crossing cables very easy and it would also make pretty home decorating accessories such as pillows and blankets. And she went on to say that last year she spun. spun. oh Louise, I'm very tired listeners. She spun the same fibre in a bulky yarn and knit a hat and Um, the hat was a bit too big and she's tried to wash it several times to shrink it but it won't shrink so that's really really good to learn that it's not a shrinking or a pilling yarn she says she's included a photo and I will try and remember and put that in the show notes thank you very much to our three reviewers for the dorset down now we get into the pole dorset and the dorset horn so let's go with the dorset horn first uh, in this section, we had Silver Spring Knit. We had Jane, we had Elfin Pitch, Sarah M.W., Emily A.O., Delby, Dry Gardening and Becky P. Um, the first five I mentioned there were all knitting with TJ Frogs, Dorset Horn Double Knit and uh, Delby, Dry Gardening and Becky P. We were using World of Wool's Dorset Horn. So, the hand-squish grab... Silver Spring Knit, Nora said it was crispy and springy. Jane said, soft, creamy yellow in colour, bouncy and springy, slightly sticky on winding into the skein, so this could be great for colour work. Uh, Elfin Petronella, also using uh, the TJ Frog, said, slightly dry texture but springy to the touch in a way that makes me think it will be durable. Slight halo to the ball, which makes me think it will be grippy enough for colour work. Sarah M.W. says a lovely plump wool and good bounce back, nice dry feel to the yarn and a matte look to it. And Emily A.O. she was uh, one of our winners for the TJ Frog giveaway. Pale white cream in colour, the wool felt bouncy, soft though robust in the skein. During hand winding into the ball, there was a faint sheepy smell and a good twist. Tanya describes this as rustic, warm and hard wearing on her website, which is very apt, but without any of the negative connotations that sometimes comes from the term rustic. Thanks for that. Delby said of her World of Wool... Dorset horn. The wool looked skinny in the hank, with a few few hairs. It was softer to the touch than it looked, and it felt creamy. Dry gardening, uh, also using World of Wool. She says the put up in the hank is 100 grams, approximately 300 meters. The yarn, uh, after being wound into a cake, felt silky and smooth and soft. Very short, small, soft fibers are visible, extending a short way from the surface of the yarn. Um, she says she inquired to World of Wool regarding how they calculate and determine decay weight. Uh, And she received a prompt, informative, educational response that she posted in the knit British forum, which I think I mentioned and linked to last time. And it's very much worth reading. Becky P, World of Wool, she said, sheepy smells strong, quite fine. Yarn is smooth with a soft, uh, slight sheen. So let's have a look at observances while swatching and initial thoughts on best uses. Uh, Nora Silver Spring Knit said this was very nice to work with. It slid off the needles easily but was not slippery. A very nice stitch definition. Jane said uh, firm when knitted but feels cosy as work grows. Not splitty and reasonable stitch definition. Elfin Petronella said the wool has a a substantial feel when knitting. That is a really good word for dorset horn and pole dorset, substantial. That's my experience of it. It's a substantial wooly wool. Um, She says it has good grippiness that she was expecting, but it also rips back without damage. It forms nice plump stitches into a fabric which felt sturdy and had a good stretch to it. That is a really great description. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Sarah M.W., also with the T G Frog, knits up well, no splitting, smooth action and no roughness to the flow of the yarn. A springy yarn with a good, solid feel. Hooray. Del B. said, I loved knitting with this. The garter stitches caught the light really well and they looked even. There was a slight sheen. The finished swatch draped very nicely. Dry gardening, she says. The yarn glides easily through my fingers and feels silky and soft. And we're on to the world of wool. Uh, dorset horn now there's a very light halo appearing overall from the fabric from very short soft fibers moderately elastic easily manipulated fur lace stitches including decreased stitches and past slip, slip slip stitch over maneuvers fabric feels almost spongy when squeezed but this may be due to the crinkly pre-block la- nature of the lace knit fabric Becky P she said the yarn is light and easy through the hands and is a pleasure to work with. Fantastic descriptions of swatching for the dorset horn. Let's have a look at the wash, block, wear Nora, Silver Spring Knit said the wash was in cold water and soak and pinned out the change was subtle, the yarn was just a tad less crisp, wore it under my brass strap for the day and barely noticed it was there, it was a hot, hot day so that patch of skin did feel warm but I'd forgotten about it until it fell out when I was changing. That's really great, thank you for that Nora and uh, Jane she said, left overnight and soak lightly blocked, Stitches settled and a very slight haze to the surface Worn under brass strap all day Even though the temperature was 28 degrees Oh, thank you for that, Jane Slight pickle, but quite forgotten Quite quickly forgotten Felt sturdy, not uncomfortable Old-fashioned wool, uh, like hand-knitted jumpers Used to be in the 1960s Yeah I would agree with that too actually Uh, Elfin Petronella Emma soaked hers for 20 minutes in Uslan In lukewarm water The stitch was buoyant in the water I pinned it out on the mat And it took 24 hours to dry With an increase of 1cm in each direction After blocking The stitches were clear and neat The swatch was not noticeable when worn But still there was a light prickle Especially to the scent of the skin behind the knee When I moved about I found it very warm to wear And again I appreciate that you guys have been wearing this these swatches in warm warm weather uh, Sarah MW she said she soaked hers for half an hour in lukewarm water then pulled it onto my hand to give it a general sizing and hang it over the rack to dry overnight there was no change in the size or the feel of uh, the glove which she had made I wore it for a couple of hours under my brass strap uh, at the same tight length of time at my waist I was conscious of it but only because um I had a glove under my brass strap. You're quite right. You'd feel that. There was initial uh, sense of heat, but no prickle. And I wasn't aware of it at all under my waistband. This is Emily AO with the TJ Frog as well. And she said, soaked overnight in use and blocked firmly with pins. Quick to dry, held shape stitch definition has softened marginally but still clear and developed a slight and pleasing halo I wore the sample under my bra against my neck and I was aware of it there it was very cosy but no prickle or abrasive feeling I suggest it could continue to soften with further washing but I ran out of time and managed to do this only once and then we have Del B Uh, She laid her swatch flat in lukewarm water. It blocked well and the logs of the log cabin were easily squared up. Some blooming, but it didn't plump up as much as I thought it would. And then dry gardening. She... Uh, Washed hers in lukewarm soak for an hour and a half Water rinsed clear Lace opened up with minimal resistance to blocking out Such that I find myself patting and massaging it into place More than I have done with other breeds That is very interesting The slight halo, uh, I observed in the unblocked, pre-washed swatch, is hardly noticeable after the soak and blocking. Very little pullback when the blocking pins are released. Holds close to perfectly. Excellent stitch definition. Excellent drape. The blocked lace fabric feels relatively strong and still with a light spongy or otherwise substantial feel substantial i love that word when the fabric is pressed between the fingers soft with a low attractive luster worn directly against the chest for a full day whilst engaged in daily active activities next to the skin soft no prickliness quite comfy Wow, dry gardening, that is wonderful um, to hear about your world of wool swatch. Becky P soaked hers in, uh, for 30 minutes in New and blocked her square to 17.5 centimetres. She wore it under her waistband during the day. The swatch was in good shape at the end of the day. So second wash, block and wear test, well, Nora did the same. Uh, she uh, washed it in soak, but with lots of hand agitation this time. She did not pin it, but she said it held well to a second wear and was similar to the first. Though through blocking, the swatch has uh, held its definition and its shape. Jane put her swatch in the washing machine on 30 degrees. An um, ecover plus fabric softener on a 600 rpm spin, dried it flat, worn in the waistband uh, on another hot day. God love you. Uh, feels slightly cosy and fewer prickles, but quite flat in appearance. She says there is 1.5 to 3% shrinkage um, in her her swatch. Elf and Petronella. Um, she soaked for the swatch in cold water for 30 minutes and then pegged on the lung to dry. It changed shape, losing some of the height and lengthened uh, a little bit because uh, she'd done a cowl. Um, she wore it as a headband for about an hour. The fabric uh, still has a good stretch to it and the initial prickle on the forehead subsided quickly. I found my head got itchy after a while probably due to the toasty weather conditions but this is intrepidness you guys I then scuffed up the swatch there was a touch of pilling but it took some vigorous scuffing to do that so I feel confident that this wool would continue to look pristine for a good while in regular use uh, Sarah MW repeated what she did with the first wear test and again no change and wearing it under her bra and waistband was equally fine it was very warm uh, when she took it out Dry gardening. She tossed her swatch in with a load of laundry in the top-loading machine. Usual laundry detergent, 19 minutes agitation, hot water wash, two cold water rinses, tumble-dried for 1.5 hours, and no heat. The swatch fooled with shrinkage, distortion, blurring and tightening of the stitch pattern. Stitch definition remained visible, and the holes in the lace didn't completely close. The swatch remained soft and pliable. And still easily drapes. The surface is now lightly fuzzy all over with tiny disorganised curly crimpy fibres extending a short distance from the fabric surface. Repeated or more vigorous treatments are required for a firm felting. Identical conditions uh, to the uh, results of the wear test one. Soft, comfortable and no prickle sensations against the skin. And then Becky P, she soaked a new slant again for 30 minutes, blocked to 16 centimetres square this time, worn under the waistband during the day and the swatch needed a little encouragement to get back into shape afterwards, but the pattern still looks good. We had one person do a third wash, block and wear. Thank you so much to Jane. She put hers in a garment wash at 40 degrees with fabric softener on a thousand RPM spin. Dried flat, it felted, though the stitches are still discernible, discernible and the swatch is slightly softer. Well, as always, I asked um, how our wool explorers found the wool and what they they thought of it and nora she had bought three cakes of the dorset horn from tj frog for a hat design eyf and after swatching she still thinks that this yarn is going to be perfect for that hat plan this would make a vest or a great vest or sweater if i have any left over i may try it on larger needles and see about a shawl or scarf Jane says she keeps thinking about Isla by Gudrun Johnson, which is a wonderful cardigan. And what a useful garment it would be in this yarn. An excellent workaday yarn for outerwear, hats, mitts, etc. Although for her, not suitable for next to the skin garments. Uh, Elfin Petronella, she loves this wool. Uppercase, Love it! It would be perfect for a staple winter sweater and make wonderfully toasty mittens, hats, scarves and cowls. I would also want to use it for comfy slipper socks or winter socks and even a blanket. And she says she never makes blankets. Basically, I just want to cocoon cocoon myself in wool all winter. Um, Once done uh, with my exploration, I handed the cowl over to my three year old who has determinedly worn it during the heatwave because, quotes, it feels like wearing soft cushions. That's incredible. What a very discerning three year old uh, you have. Uh, great yarn yarn wool descriptions as well. Uh Sarah MW She said um, as soon as I saw this yarn online, I loved the colours and I wanted to knit with it. Feeling it in person reinforced that. I think that this would be a really durable yarn for garments, especially since the size did not change with washing. Although I am not an Enid Blyton fan, my thoughts initially went to 1950s jumpers, hats, scarves and gloves. Suitable for the famous five or others off on an island of adventure. I love my glove and I'll be knitting the pair for the coming winter. And I will put up a picture of of um, all of the swatches that um, are on the Ravelry group that I'm allowed to share and say this glove is awesome indeed Emily A.O. she says really impressed with this wool warm, robust, easy to crochet whilst I'm aware of wearing the sample, it was not prickly even against my fairly sensitive skin uh, I would be comfortable using it uh, against my skin as a scarf or a cardigan the warmth uh, itself served hats, gloves, and outer garments, but it would make cozy homewares too. Del B um, with her world of wool, she said, I enjoyed knitting with this wool. It hasn't bloomed as much as I thought it would after blocking, but the stitch definition has held, and I think cables would be great uh, and quite pronounced. And finally, we've got dry gardening, and she said, I believe this worsted spun yarn would be great for any lace project and many other applications. Outstanding stitch definition and drape with an attractive low luster. Also, this worsted spun yarn appears likely to result in, uh, in a relatively durable fabric. My experience is that there is an interesting felting opportunity here and I will use this interesting fibre again. So those are were our dorset horns. And let's go on now to the pole, Dorset. And the explorers in this group were Small Bear, Sheila, Lisa Marguerite, Becky P, Fine Fetal Fibres, Judith, and me. And we are all using woolen spun yarn, I think. Uh, Small Bear, Sheila is using Kennixton Flock Double Knit. Uh, Lisa Marguerite and Becky P and Judith are using Garthanar. I used... Uh, Isle Yarns. So, Sheila, a small bear, her hand squish grab of her Kenningston double knit, says, good, bounce, lots of tooth. A bit hairy. Uh, feels like an old-fashioned wool. What you used to get from pure wool before we got all obsessed with smooth, round softness. Um, quite a robust character. I think this is something that's actually come up in all of these so far, is that... Um it's an old fa- it feels like an old fashioned wool. It feels like uh say MW said her Dorset horn felt like nineteen fifties jumpers would, be, would have been made from it. So uh, something that we could say in advertis commas a traditional woolly yarn, perhaps. Let's let's see what everyone else thinks. Uh Lisa Marguerite said it had a slight dry hand and seems properly rustic, but not in a bad way. And no negative connotations of rustic. Uh, Becky P of her Garth and Ordub bonnet she says, has a sheepy smell, feels strong, has a halo, feels slightly rough when rubbed against my cheek, but feels sm- smooth through my hands, if a little dry. Uh, Judith, also with the, the Garthnor, she says, First impressions, no-nonsense sort of yarn with a slightly vintage-feeling crispness. Sort of yarn my gran would have used to knit something to outwit the rough and tumble of semi-feral grandkids. <laughs> Again, that's that's a wonderful description. Me, I thought it that the Isle yarns, uh, which I should say, uh, Isle yarns uh, are... Uh, I think on the Isle of Purbeck in in um in Dorset, and they ha they used to create a one hundred percent pole Dorset yarn uh, across their range uh, of of um dyed yarns and skeins and hanks and balls. But now they 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 mostly use a a a cross for their yarn, but they create one yarn which is called stone hips which is 100% undyed pole dorset this yarn that i was using was um deep a stash from a couple of years ago i have a couple of balls of it uh, and i was using a dyed gray i thought it was plump uh, a lovely plumpy ball when you squished it, it squished back, um it you know, it bounced back. Uh, it was very yieldy in that way, and I felt like there was lots of promise for it to become hard wearing garments. I imagined a lot of cardigans in this yarn, so Sheila. Um, crocheted a swatch and she says I crocheted up my usual granny swatch uh, square, it felt nice to work with, round, not too splitty but a definite hairiness Uh, not like string but halfway there good stitch definition uh, good bounce and plenty of elasticity uh, Lisa Marguerite uh, also crocheted. She says this wool really well behaved. The colour is gorgeous, such a bright, vivid tangerine. It doesn't split when you pull a strand and it holds for a second before breaking. Becky P said, also using Garthenor, double knit felt smooth through her hands. It was nice to work with. Uh, Judith said that it was good to knit with, obedient and businesslike. Oh, I love this. I I just love how our our vocabulary is expanding here with how we're describing things. Um, Occasional bits of herbage, but no coarse hairs. Smooth and even, with good stitch definition. A firm, stable fabric. I was using the Isle Yarns and it was a lovely airy ply of yarn, even though that ball felt dense and springy. It knitted smoothly and creamily on the needles and it made a good dense elastic fabric. And it made me think that welly socks would be really, really great um, in, this, in this yarn. For our wash, block and wear one, Sheila soaked in Ysalan for 20 minutes. It blocked easily warm to wear, cosy but scratchy uh, like being continually brushed lightly with dried heather tips distracting uh, and only wore it for a couple of hours uh, blocked to an enormous 10.5 inches and that's not as far as it would go Uh, Lisa Marguerite she um, washed using hand warm water, no soap and blocked 10 inches square. Once dried I unpinned it and it shrunk back to slightly larger than cast off I tucked it in the band of my trousers and there was an initial prickle but I was definitely aware of it Um, and then we're in the middle of a heat wave so not the best time for adding extra layers of wool to your outfit Uh, (laughs) I get it I really do and thank you very much for your endeavours Lisa Marguerite she said after a while I moved it to my brass strap again. I was aware of it but not in a bad way and Becky P soaked in use line for thirty minutes and blocked sixteen centimeters square, slightly softer and has held its shape well. Again worn under the waistband for the day, it's held its shape uh, very well and, and just needed smoothing after a day's wear. Judith. Um, our third explorer using the Garthanor, she said soaked in warm water and Usalan, blocked beautifully, hint of a bloom but a good stitch definition retained still still feels a wee bit crisp, couldn't cope with it on my neck but it was fine for a few hours on my shoulder and my arm Uh, I soaked my little swatch in Usalan overnight and laid it flat to dry, I didn't block it, I just um, manipulated it, you know, massaged it out. The dried swatch um, had bloomed. It had softened slightly. There was more, more of a, a, a little halo, fine, short-haired um, halo, and uh, the structure has remained nicely dense and elastic. Um, I really do want to sweater in this now. I really, really do. Uh, I wore it at my neck. And I could feel a slight pickle there. I moved it to my shoulder. I, I forgot that it was there. This wool is sort of ticking all the boxes for me. Uh, Sheila, in her second wash, block and wear She washed it in the machine uh, On the wool cycle with other woolens And it bloomed a little Still very good stitch definition No pilling or felting Pity it feels so prickly and hairy against my skin It has retained a pleasant, faint, sheepy smell I certainly would be okay for using... Um, this for hats, gloves, sweaters, jackets and blankets maybe cushion covers but not for me, for next to the skin or for baby things I um, have deliberately gone gently on the blocking as I would like uh, this to fit um, this, her sw- crochet swatch to fit with others in her blanket well now Sheila maybe you would be interested in trying either the Garthanor or seeking out the Isle yarns um, and and seeing how how they might you know, be different to the Kennixton flock one that you've tried. Uh, Lisa Marguerite, she followed the same hand washing with no soap and blocked with blocking with pins procedure as before it was definitely much softer after the second washing block it really bloomed and after uh, blocking it to 10 inches it stayed there when I wore it this time, again alternating between the band of my trousers next to my stomach and my brass strap that initial prickle had gone and I forgot I was wearing it even in the stupid heat wave that is driving me crazy uh, Judith in her second wash blocking wear, she said second wash was hotter and quite rough I gave it loads of rubbing then a really long soak after blocking it was softer but not felted and the stitch definition was slightly blurred but still okay still couldn't tolerate it against my neck but it was really quite pleasant to wear on my arm and felt warm and cozy um, I repeated the same uh, wash overnight in soak uh, but this time I gave it a mild agitation Uh, With my Isle Yarns Decay. I blocked it as aggressively as I could this time. The dried swatch bounced back just a little once unpinned, but I'm impressed with the fabric. It's really more or less um, stayed the same since that little initial bounce back. Um, I'm really impressed with the elasticity. Of this yarn. Uh, there was less sensation at my neck than before, even though I could just about cope with it before, um, but I had to remove it because it was so warm. I couldn't cope with the swatch. <laughs> and thoughts for use. Sheila says it's a robust yarn, it would be good for throw it around outerwear, stands up to a bit of machine washing, easy to work with, but watch gauge on garments with the Kennixton. Uh, double knit Lisa Marguerite says I think I'm a rubbish tester as I love them all no you are not a rubbish tester you're a wonderful tester uh, although I do have a slight pet preference for the organic wools when I can get hold of them the pole dorset reminds me of proper rustic wooly wool it softens and wears beautifully especially after the second wash always do that second wash people the wool would make great outer garment but I'm thinking uh, Kate Davies worsted jumper maybe socks Uh, And it's chunky texture in the DK makes me think of rugged woolen walking socks. Uh, Becky IP says, I think I would be happy to use this for a jumper and I'm tempted by a hat or mittens. Judith, fine fetal fibres pleasantly surprised by this one, I would certainly think of using it again for a sweater or a cardigan, mitts would be fine, I think not a scarf I would be really interested to do a Fair Isle yoked garment using this and some of the other Breed DK natural yarns from Gar- uh, Garthenor, maybe a vellum cardigan by Carrie Westerman or a sigrin jumper by Jennifer Steinglass, oh my word that is incredible um, I found the Pull dorset from isle yarns to be robust and elastic i love 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 a a lovely plumpy three-plied yarn and i also believe that this would make great garments i think this has been a really interesting exploration month and and you know i made a bit of a rod from my own back for this one and uh you know my hats off to all of you who tested multiple different breeds this month as well but it's really interesting up until now we've looked at single breed yarns and how these can be different one breed can have its own unique characteristics over different yarns and i really wanted to have a look at yarns from this group and it would be something interesting to try and do Further down the road, you know, maybe not even next year, but like a little bit further down the road to look at groups a little bit more. So, you know, we've looked at the, the the Dorset group here and we're almost straddling a little bit into next month because we've included the Dorset down, which is part of the down group, which we're going to be looking at South down next time. And I think it really is interesting to look at these wools from sheep with that shared lineage. So maybe you've tried a Pole Dorset um, and have really, really enjoyed it um, and maybe wouldn't have thought to look for a Portland or a Dorset Down or a Dorset Horn uh, and to sort of expand into that. And, you know, you you like the characteristics from one of the breeds in this group, then chances are you're going to like what other breeds in this group can do. So it's been really nice to look at this. Under a microscope. A little bit. And um, I thank all of our intrepid. Explorers this month. Um, I think it's been. Really. Really interesting. I Maybe it's just something to do with the fact. That it's raining. And the weather is a little bit cool. And I did make soup today. But you know, I've got an autumnal feeling today, and I want to knit all the sweaters now in these wonderful dorset yarns and How fantastic would it be to try and use all of these g- different sheep from this group in one project That's food for thought for another day, but thank you very much and if you're interested in joining in with wool exploration, you don't have you can just jump in any old time you like you can take part. In one month and not in another, you can just jump in and out as you like. Like I said, the next breeds we're looking at are Manx and Shetland. I haven't got dates for you yet, but I will put those up um, in the group when I do. Again, nothing to stop you from getting started on those. And the Google form is open, so you, if you, you know, if you manage to do your swatch review before uh, October or November, then you can just get them in. it would be great to great to see them. Again, thank you so, so very much um for taking part if you did and for your chat in the group and for those of you who maybe didn't take part but were able to impart your own wisdom on the Dorset groups is brilliant and you you know, you really, really make this um And you're making an important record. Well, this is an important record for anybody who's interested in in exploring more about breed wool. So thank you very much. And again, for wearing those swatches in this heat that we've had, my hat is well and truly off to you. That is it for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening and for following on um, social media. I should say that my social media handle has changed. And I must remember to change the little bit at the end of the podcast with the music to reflect that. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, I am now at underscore knit British. I'm sure... You've already noticed that if you follow me. Um, but uh, that is my new uh, handle on Twitter and Instagram. I changed it because Knit British is one word. And that's the name of the podcast and the blog. It's one word uh, for that. It's the one word in the logo. And adding uh, the underscore between the two was just confusing. So, Next time, whenever that will be, uh, I will have an interview with Louise Spong of South Down Yarn. And we're going to look at our South Down reviews if we manage to get any. Because I know some of you have been finding it difficult. And like I say, I don't know if we'll have quite finished the Nature Shades long by the next episode. We might have finished it, I don't know. Um, But keep on knitting. Keep on supporting your local. And keep on standing up for what you believe in, my friends. Uh, Take good care. Bye for now.